Welcome to Witch Talks, a series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, an intuitive tarot reader, astrologer, and eclectic witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. In this episode, I'm chatting with Michelle from Holisticism, a witch-led business that bridges the gap from the mystic and the realistic to make well-being more accessible to more people. They host the 12th House podcast, which is a witchy business podcast that I adore. I can't wait to share their work and wisdom with you all today. So let's get into it. Michelle is joining us via Zoom all the way from Los Angeles. Hey, welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you today? I'm so good. So happy to be talking to you. And I'm so impressed that you just battled that off like without even taking a breath. I usually <laughs> have to re-record our intros like 17 times every time I do it. <laughs> I think I've only had to re-record once and my Patreon supporters who get access to like the uncut version would yeah. know, be aware of those ones. But there was one where I I use almost like a template for how I kind of want to introduce people. Like this is who they are. This is what they do. Yeah. This is what they are. Like that sort of a thing. And I'd written it and forgotten to delete the previous template. So it was this really long intro and he's sitting there going, that doesn't sound like me. And I'm going, that's not you. That's my previous <laughs> It's like, wow, I'm totally blacking out on this part of my life where I accomplished so much in this completely and different industry. <laughs> exactly. And it took me a little minute to, to connect. I was like, I'm so sorry. We will just quickly edit that and start again. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, we seem to always run into the biggest tech issues when we have a guest already on the line. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, mm-hmm. they can't hear us. We can't hear them. We're like, what is going on here? Uh, but yeah, that's the life of podcast, I guess. Absolutely. That is podcast life <laughs> for sure. And even when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts and they're like, I'm so sorry, this never happens. I'm like, dude, happens to me all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. that happens I, to I don't know about you, but it feels like Mercury retrograde constantly uh, running a podcast. So yes. yeah. <laughs> So can you tell everybody listening, what is holisticism exactly? What is this amazing brand that you have created? You sound like my parents. They're like, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) What's your job? Are you in radio? Like, what do you do? (laughs) No, it's great. At this, I was a professional modern dancer for a really long time. And then I started working in tech and my parents have at, at no point in my adult life understood what my job was. They're just like, glad you're happy, which is awesome. Um, but holisticism got started after I stopped working in tech because I, I really wanted to bridge the gap between the intuitive, what we know, what we know, know in our souls, in our essence, in our like cells and vibration and the intellectual. Cause I met so many people, mostly women in New York and in LA who were working these like crazy, amazing jobs, who were entrepreneurs, who wanted to do really big things, but who were also extremely spiritual and magical and intuitive. And were almost hiding that part of themselves because they were afraid to reveal it. And often that intuition was sort of like why they were so successful, but they had to almost reverse engineer their explanations for why they knew certain things or why they were successful or what they, why they believed what they believed. And I wanted to sort of find a place where we could talk about both of those things, right? The sort of intellectual around running a business and being an entrepreneur, especially being a capitalism critical entrepreneur and being a witch or an intuitive person or whatever you want to call yourself, a medium, a psychic and work with those two things together, not um, cutting off one part of ourselves, really like 
embracing all of our multiplicity and all of our dynamism um, and sort of calling up these special skills when we need them. So that's what holisticism started as, this place where people could connect. And over the last five years, um, it's grown to be an educational platform and a community of over 100,000 people now, which is crazy. So we do a lot from you know teaching our membership community of about 700 entrepreneurs to one-off classes that people can take on everything from intuitive business to being a what we call squiggly-brained, creative, non-linear thinker um, and finding systems that work for you in a world with many systems um, that are meant to keep us down and um, actually like make us feel badly about who we are. So yeah, I feel like I'm word saluting on you, but really holisticism is about self-actualization and um, business is just one of those ways for starting a business, being a creative. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the ways that you self-actualize. I love all of that. And <laughs> I'm a big fan of your podcast and everything that you put out there as well. Oh, thanks. One thing I'd love to just sort of zero in on there. So you describe yourself as capitalism critical. Can yeah. you go into that a little bit more as a business working in capitalist society, how you can be capitalist critical? Yeah, it's, I, I love that turn of phrase because I think it's very popular right now to call yourself an anti-capitalist, which we totally can be. Like you can definitely identify with that. But I think if you run a business, <laughs> you, you are buying into capitalism. Like if you're getting paid for what you do or even bartering for your goods and services, um, you're buying into capitalism. And I think that sometimes when we are, when we just sort of identify ourselves in an extreme, whether it's a hyper-capitalist or an anti-capitalist, we're missing the interesting middle part, which is the gray and the really like questioning, right? And that's what I like about being capitalism critical. I want to critically engage with everything that I'm a part of to look at it and wonder, well, is this the best way I could do things? Is, does this make sense to me? Is this an alignment? Because there are are plenty of, let's say, anti-capitalist beliefs that I think are really cool, but there are a lot that I don't necessarily agree with. Same thing with capitalism. I don't agree with like the majority of capitalism and I would say the structures and sites of oppression that it upholds and perpetuates, but there are some elements of capitalism that I do believe in or that I do wanna experiment and explore with. So that's what it means to be capitalism critical to me, but I guess you could interpret it however you want. And I think in terms of like the entrepreneurs that we work with and the creators that we work with, a lot of them, maybe what's held them back and I think I, this definitely is who I was before I started holisticism. I didn't want to like make more waste in the world. I didn't want to like contribute to all the noise out there. I wanted to create something that was generative or regenerative as opposed to degenerative. And I think that's what, you know, capitalism as we know it tends to be degenerative and extractive, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's just the way that we practice it right now. So I think there are more of us that just really question, is this how it's supposed to be and how it has to be and push against that, then we can potentially create a type of capitalism that actually is regenerative over time. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you have, or at least you've mentioned on the podcast, a pricing structure that is, I guess, different to capitalist typical business pricing yes. structures. Can you go into that a little bit? 
Yeah, we have sliding, well, we've experimented with sliding scale. We've experimented tons of pricing structures and okay, here's the thing. Anytime you're dealing with money, you have to deal with your own shit, which is your own shadow work around money or your own beliefs around money and worth and value. And first and foremost, anything that you offer the world is invaluable. So like you and I sitting and having this conversation today, you could say something that flips a switch in someone's mind that completely transforms the way that they walk through the world world for the rest of their life. And you just gave that away for free, right? And that thing is invaluable. That note, that pearl, it could cause them to earn millions and millions of dollars in the future. So I find it difficult when people say, oh, ask for your worth when it comes to pricing, because my worth is I'm invaluable. Like every person is invaluable, no matter how quote unquote expert they are. That's what's amazing about being a human being. That's what's beautiful about being human, right? So that's complicated because so many people tell us to price ourselves according to our worth or according to our value, but we're invaluable. So a little bit tricky. Um, And we have our own issues or let's say like shadow around money and what we think we should earn, what we think we're capable of earning or what our energetic minimum is or our energetic maximum, what we expect. And then (laughs) we have to go outside of ourselves and ask other people to pay us. And they've got their own shit too, right? Like that we don't even know about that. We can't even begin to unpack. So pricing can be really challenging if you're running a capitalism critical business and one of the ways that we've experimented with, like, can we make it a little easier? Can we also take people with us, sort of empower them as opposed to enable them, um, like sort of offer them the opportunity to level up when it comes to their relationship with wealth and money um, by thinking about being in community as opposed to being individualistic. So I'm meandering here. Sorry, I have I totally have ADHD. So uh, let me know if I, if I go off too far (laughs) off the track, but capitalism and I think the worst parts of capitalism push individualism. Right. Um, And the best parts of like regenerative sort of circular economies push community care. And ideally, especially for those of us who consider ourselves witches, um, part of the witch wound is, I would say, We've, we're used to community care. Like that's in our that's in our DNA. That's in our past lives. Of I show up for my community. I'm a pillar in my community. I provide in a way, and my community provides for me. And that's not necessarily exchanging dollar bills. So it can feel very challenging to ask for money for something that you've been used to sort of exchanging from in a more like not to be lame but heart centered way for so many past generations. Um, So if we're thinking about being more community centered, then maybe we want to think instead of offering sliding scale options, where if I pay X amount, let's say over what the sort of market price of something is, then I'm contributing to helping someone else who can't afford that product, being able to come in and enjoy that with me. And because we're in community together, I can sort of in good faith trust that they are going to bring value because they are invaluable to our community and take what we learn together, hopefully through the product or the service and spread that out into the world and make the world a better place. So sliding scale, long, long story short, we experimented with sliding scale because we just wanted to see like what would happen if we 
used a community forward model to price our services and to like to offer courses to take something that's sometimes worth twelve hundred dollars and offer it for also five hundred dollars and then maybe for a middle price of eight hundred dollars and see what happens like how would people react to that would they understand that being in community is really important and if they have a little extra or if they self-identify as sort of being um, of a, a more privileged place that they're willing to pay a little bit more or is that daunting and scary so we've been experimenting with that since COVID hit actually and how has that worked because immediately my brain and when I first heard of the idea well most people are just going to go with the cheaper price right that's what <laughs> everyone wants yeah. to do. they want to save money <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's been our biggest sort of struggle is every other thing that you buy and think about how much you shop all day long. Like you buy a coffee at Starbucks, you go and you drop your kid off at school and then you pay a toll to go on the toll road. Like there's just so much that we're paying for constantly. That's a set price that we don't get to decide how much we pay. Right. So if we're given the choice, um, we're constantly in individualism mindset, looking for the best price for ourselves. And then to sort of have to flip on a dime, um, and be like, Oh wait, no, this is for community is really challenging. So we found that what made the most sense for us was to lay out these options for people. And then also from a business perspective, what did we need to sustain ourselves? Like I have a team, I offer them healthcare and competitive salaries and time off. And I want to make sure that me personally, I have enough money in the bank for a year to pay salaries. Okay, great. So that's what I need, my energetic minimum to run a healthy business. So anytime I launch a class or um, a community offering, if I'm going to offer it a sliding scale, because I don't always offer things at a sliding scale, but I do a lot of the time, I think about, okay, what do I need to make bare minimum wise to just make ends meet here? Like what's going to be my break even? Okay, great. That means I'm going to have to have X number of people at the highest tier, X number of people at the middle tier, X number of people at the lowest tier, super, super discount where I'm losing money off them, right? On, on, if they decide to join. Right. So I think about that sort of, um, ratio and what makes sense for me and my business and what I need at any given time, and then kind of creating those slots and then informing the community and saying, okay, listen, we've got 30 slots in the highest, 20 slots in the, in the medium tier, 10 slots in the lowest tier. But if we sell 40 slots in that highest tier, then I can open up more scholarship spots. That really empowers people to, I think, be conscientious about what they're taking um, from the community. Because something that I notice a lot with people who are practicing being anti-capitalist is that as business owners, they feel depleted because they're giving so much of themselves and they're not getting nourished back. And in a way that's like, that's dishonoring to both you and to your community. And it doesn't actually support like sustainability in a, in a sustainable business or regeneration in your business. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it's worked. And it's, it's been tricky. Like there have definitely been times where I felt like I want to tear my hair out. I'm like, why don't people understand? And then other times where I'm like, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. makes sense. The only examples I have of a similar pricing scale or pricing style would be uh, there is a couple of restaurants here in Australia. What are they called? Lentil is anything. Lentil is anything. It is a vegan vegetarian restaurant and mm -hmm. it is basically pay what you think it's worth. And they'll give like an, 
an example of how much you should pay uh, or what it's what it costs and you can pay more and that goes to provide for the next person who maybe can't buy themselves a meal Uh, but you don't have to pay if you can't and for people working there they're usually people who really need a job they'll give a job to anyone come in and work for us like I and I love that I Absolutely yeah. love that. I think we need more of that in the world. And I think it's a fantastic community-led business, right? That is I love that. Brilliant. Yeah. But then translating that into all those values into a self-owned business similar to like what I have is is like when what? How do you even how do you even do that? How do you even start with that totally. and then still make a living to pay for what you need to do? Does that make sense? It a hundred percent makes sense. And like we're a bootstrap business. So I paid to start this business myself, you know, and there's no like investment from someone. It's just me. Right. And uh, that means that I have to like run a healthy business in order to survive and a lean business in order to survive and thrive and continue to like be here to continue to offer value to people and offer so much for free. Like you offer this free podcast. If you think about how freaking valuable that is and Mm -hmm. YouTube videos, like it's crazy how much you're providing people. Um, yeah. And a giant corporation like can maybe play around with that. I also think that there's something to paying in person where there's almost like societal peer pressure. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you have to face someone and be like, I think that this sandwich is worth $0. Here's $0. Um, that's really different than sort of anonymously buying something from behind a computer screen, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm Um, but I also have faith that like people, as they begin to understand this, they'll, they'll understand it. I just don't think that anything in our world reinforces this idea of community Mm -hmm. care, um, on a consistent basis. And so we kind of have to meet people where they're at. And I think in some ways it can be really stressful to have to choose what to pay, you know, like, um, it can, it can like cause a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So what if I get it wrong? (laughs) That's the exactly. feeling exactly. I get. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or like, oh, I'm feeling guilty. Like I'm so, priv- maybe I'm way more privileged than I think I should be paying more, even though I can't really afford to pay more. Um, yeah. And, and that doesn't feel good. So we, we offer sliding scale on our membership community, um, the North Node, but for pretty much everything else, we found that people prefer that we offer payment plans mm-hmm. and that makes the work just as accessible. Um and we offer so much free content. So I'm I'm happy with where we're at pricing-wise. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I've considered and I've played around with the idea of potentially having like a discount for those in marginalized communities. And then when it even came to putting that together, I was like, is that like, not that it's, is it wrong, but how do you do that without then, I guess, offending someone by totally. offering oh, that? Yeah. And it's it just ended up going like, that's kind of like, I'd love to make, my services more accessible to those who need them, but I don't know how to do that. So that's, I guess, one of the values we can maybe even talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, I, I totally hear you. That's something that we ran into with slide, creating a sliding scale is like, how do people, how do we tell people like, oh, and we can't really be prescriptive, right? Like, oh, you should be here and you should be here. And you exactly. Should be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what I found really helpful, uh, I found a chiropractor who offered sliding scale in New York, they unfortunately went out of business, um, but because probably they were offering sliding scale and it wasn't working for their brick and mortar space, unfortunately, but I really liked the way that they set up um, their sliding scale. And they said effectively, like, if you identify with this level, 
So you often cannot pay for rent. You often can't pay for healthcare. You often, you know, you, you have debt like of over $20,000, something like that. Then you might be at this tier. If you're maybe the next tier up, it's like, I sometimes feel like it's a squeeze to afford rent. I sometimes feel like I have to budget in order to pay for food, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that way people can self-identify. Um, and I think when it comes to things like scholarships at this point, I don't even ask or like, if you think you need a scholarship, I'm going to take it at your word that like you need the help. And like, I don't know what you've gone through. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how you, what you, what you, what trauma you've experienced, what marginalization you've experienced. It's none of my business. Um, and if I have the opportunity to help you and make it easier for you, then I will. And if I don't have that opportunity, then I'll let you know, like, I can't do that right now, but here's what I can do for you and try to come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's felt the most like expansive for me, I guess. Yeah. I think the other problem I ran into was even things like at the moment, the week that we're filming this, it's NADOC week here in Australia, which is basically a celebration of Indigenous peoples. For, so the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders of Australia. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do a NADOC week discount. And then I was like, am I then capitalizing on this community? And so I just, yeah. I get into that freeze mode where I was like, I don't know. So I'm just going to hold off on that thought, but it's something that, you know, you want, I want to help. I want to uplift marginalized communities. I want to do my part and then I get stuck. <laughs> That's yeah. my, my real and raw brain functions that everyone can hear and listen to as we're going through. This. I think, I'm so glad you're saying that because I think so many people identify that way and feel that same way, right. Of like, well, I want to do something, but is this actually, am I being more offensive or if I, am I like, um, I don't know, like, exactly exactly like am I just doing that are people going to think I'm just doing this to look good um should I even publicize this thing that I do or offer like you're kind of it feels like you're really between like a rock and a hard place in some ways and that's why I feel like I don't know I go back to community care over and over again of just saying like well how can I like care for the people in my community and make it as accessible and inclusive as I can and um, when I go just back back down to that and I make sure that that's the messaging and I reiterate that as often as possible, like we'll work to, well, we're gonna do everything that we can to make it work so that you can like work with us and take classes with us. And if it can't, doesn't work right now, we'll find other solutions. Um, that feels like the most genuine. So how do you use witchcraft? Because you are the head witch in charge. How do you use witchcraft to your advantage within your business model? I mean, I think that we're constantly casting spells, especially with our language. Um, before I started holisticism, I did a lot. I worked in editorial and tech, and a lot of what I did was branding, writing, copywriting. And I feel like copywriting and learning copy how to be a really great copywriter was like when I learned magic. Like all of a sudden, all of these doors that I didn't even realize were doors that I thought were walls, like opened and flew open and things happened so quickly. Um, and it reminded me of magic, like that, having that clear intention, using the right frame, using the right ingredients in order to get my desired outcome. That it also made sense that like, there's a reason we call it spelling, right? Um, spelling is a spell. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's powerful. 
And I started thinking about that in terms of like everything that we do really in business is we set an intention. We craft a sort of structure or a spell, right? That that framework for that thing. If we're going to use a chime candle or we're going to use a binding spell, right? Well, like, how can I sell this thing? Is it going to be an email? Is it going to be an Instagram reel? Is it going to be a sales page that looks a specific way? And then thinking about like, well, what are the different components that make that thing work that are going to like that I can test too. I mean, thinking about like a witch's grimoire, we're constantly writing a spell and trying it out and fixing it and sort of fiddling around with it until we know how it works and that it, well, not how it works, but we know that it works, right? And that just felt like business to me, right? Like that's that's what we're doing in business all the time. Um, and when I'm like not careful with my words, when I'm not careful with the imagery that I use, sometimes it goes haywire, just like, Sometimes when I'm not intentional with, you know, my spells or, or even with my own magic, with my own energy, like it'll come back to bite me if I don't really think a spell through. Right. So I think about that a lot and we practice that a lot, um, from spell casting with our writing to also like creating archetypes in our business for how our digital archetype shows up. So what is it? What are the sigils that we're using? The visual spells that we're casting? What is our desired outcome? Like, what do we want? I think so often when we start a business, we're not really quite sure what we want, right? We're like, I want money or I want to be famous or I want to have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but really drilling down as to why, like, why do I want that thing? And I think you have to ask that when you're casting a spell too, you have to be like, oh, why, like, why do I want this to happen? Like, what is at the root of this in order to like really pick the right components to make it happen? I don't know. What do you think? I think that's wonderful. And I often, when I'm teaching any form of spell work, I'm usually talking about, and this is what my brain was buzzing with as you were talking, layering, like the layering that goes into it, into the researching. Like if you have to, if you're just using set ingredients that someone's like, oh, use this, great, they might work. But if you go and research and find ingredients that maybe are in your native landscape or are traditional to your heritage or your culture or your family, and you bring those together, and then maybe you do some extra work in bringing this in and read this book to add that, the more layers you put into it, you add an astrological day to the component mm-hmm. when you do maybe look at the lunar phase, or maybe the, the astrological, uh, astrological hour of the day, all of these things are layering, 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 and that's adding power to your spell. And now I'm like, whoa, all of the research that I do for each new product that I put out, maybe all of that is layering on that energy that goes out into manifesting it and creating it out into the world. So yes, my brain's tingling. <laughs> yes, that's so right. And you, the way that you explain that made me think of, we often talk about like a personal brand, right? Or like your voice, right? Well, when you try to write in someone else's voice, it's never as good. You know, it's never as powerful. It's never, it doesn't convert as many people, but when you really find like your voice, your, your truth, um, your tone, uh, it just rings true. And I'm Italian. So I am, I grew up with like definitely Estrega Italian grandmother and, um, you know, so much of like what I have read about in books is just stuff that she did all the time that I just didn't even think about because, she was a witch because <laughs> she's Italian. And I think about like how much is innate to us, especially as creatives and entrepreneurs and intuitive people that we sort of like keep down because we're not quite, we, we think it might not be correct, right? Like, well, everyone else is doing is running their business this way. And 
I guess I just had kind of have to follow the crowd and follow the formula that everyone else is following. But to your point, you can, you can use a spell that's written in some book somewhere that a lot of people have said works, but sometimes you need to add your own special juices to it. Often you need to, in order for it to really be as powerful and potent as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like your uniqueness. And often I think like the shadow, the part of you that you're most afraid to show to the world. Um, And I, I've said the witch wound already, but I think that comes with the witch wound too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think earlier you mentioned about the witch wound. And one thing that I see consistently, especially in anything like tarot Facebook groups, right? Where people are like, I (laughs) that's a dangerous world. (laughs) It really is. I cannot charge or you shouldn't charge for your services because it is your spiritual gift that you are giving. And then you get the other side, they're like, yeah, but I need to eat. So, (laughs) which I'm totally on board with. Right. But I think that wound comes through that way as in I can't charge for this because I can't be seen for this because, you know, back in the day and in our history, if you were seen for doing Mm -hmm. something unusual out of the ordinary, that didn't go so well for you. So I think that wound comes up a lot of the time in letting ourselves be seen online, letting ourselves be pricing at a way that may get attention as well, or even asking for money. It's like a visibility and a vulnerability that we don't want to feel. 100%. I think that we often self-sabotage and prevent ourselves from being seen either fully or like for who we completely are or at all because we're afraid of being like, you know, metaphorically burned at the stake. But there's this really interesting connection between capitalism, the sort of primitive accumulation, which is the start of capitalism in Europe, in feudal Europe, and the witch, sort of like the original witch hunts. And Sylvia Federici is an amazing socialist scholar who's done a lot of work around witches, women, and the origins of capitalism. And she posits that um, because feudal Europe was moving from, you know, collective shared space into a capitalist structure where individuals had land ownership as opposed to sharing land together. Um, It behooved governments to get rid of older single women. Most of those women who were considered healers or, um, you know, sort of like the Uh, midwives or the witches or the herbalists of a community because they couldn't produce like literally produce laborers give birth to more people to work those fields um, and to make more money for those landowners so they ended up sort of rounding up as many single women powerful independently powerful women as they could and burning them at the stake to take their land and to take their property. And it's a really interesting intersection of sort of the myth, mythology of witches, and also like, wow, that is definitely a deep wound tied to the origins of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, no wonder this is so hard for us, you yeah. know? Yeah, I'm in a uh, a little witchy, we, we call it the witches as professionals, like group chat with a couple of <laughs> other witches. Who have their own is business. Which which is as professionals. I hope it's WAP. It is. <laughs> it totally is. Love it. And in that group, which is actually how I found your podcast. So because we we do, we share like, oh my gosh, I, I really want to raise my prices. I need to, but I'm scared. Or is this too much? Is this not enough? What do you guys think? It's those sorts of vulnerable conversations that we have with yeah. one another. And we all relate and we all get it. And there'll be one person yeah. in the group that's like, really amazing with advice around one particular subject and someone else it's really great around this and we all just 
bring it all together. And I love, I love, love, love that little group. And Aunt Carla is in that. And she was the one that mentioned your oh, podcast. Her. She was like, tell yes. her hi. <laughs> oh, she's in the North Node. Aunt Carla's yeah. amazing. So we she, she, she said, you know, you guys have got to get onto this podcast. It is all about witchy, intuitive business. And I was like, okay. I'm going to go check that out. And usually I'm very anal with my podcast listening. I will go to the very first episode and I will go no. in order. Oh, I'm so glad you didn't go to the very first one. No, I did. So I did. It's probably so bad. I can't <laughs> no. believe that you listen. So I'm, I'm listening in, as, in order as I do with every single one of my podcasts. And then it got to, I was scrolling down to like download the next one I was up to. And I saw your series, the creator profiles one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh, oh, I can't go out of order. <laughs> like, I want to skip ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what if, because the problem is with, I don't want there to be an in-joke that I don't know about and don't understand a reference to a previous episode. I like get I get you. really funny about it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm sure it'll be fine. I just, this looks really interesting. And so I clicked on that and then binged that. So I've, oh, I've done this, like the start and the, fin- the end and I haven't done the middle section, but that's I great. Um, You'll get to it when you get to it. One of the things I loved about one of the earlier episodes is your four pillars for intuitive business. Yeah. Um, And that is actually, because we're going to talk about some of my business goals today. That is actually how I came up with some of my goals by going through your four pillars. (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. I love that. Yeah. So I did that back in May. So just before the, we have our financial year in Australia is from the 1st of July until the end of June. So I try and set my business goals just before the end of financial year for the next financial year, if that makes sense. So I look at sort of where it's at, where I want to be going and then do, do those yearly goals. And then I've always got my big like grand over overhead goals as I well in the it. background uh, but yeah so in those in those that little series that you did which I think was six episodes am I right yeah I'm not quite sure yeah Something we like try that. to do like our series a little like series together that feels cohesive it seems honestly podcast tip it seems to anyone listening seems to do really well when yeah. we sort of group things together as a series people really like that fantastic so it's a creator series and all about, you know, people that are creating using social media and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And in that you were doing these case studies on real people out in the world. And that was super helpful. And then I messaged you and I was like, can you do one on me? Because that is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, look, I looked at your stuff and I was like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. This sounds amazing. So we're going to do it in real time. We're going to do it right now. Yeah. I'm totally (laughs) excited. I'm going to give you the floor and then you just tell me what you need from me and I'm all ears. Yeah. So whenever I'm looking at sort of like case studying a business uh, or like going in and sort of tinkering around with a business, I want to know what the sort of top three goals are Um, because, and we use top three a lot in our work because we pick the top three most important things we're doing each week. I have a list of 30 things, right? But what are the most, the most important things, the needle moving things, because we tend to get sort of like lost in the sort of admin of it all. And the same thing can happen with our goals. They can be a little bit like ephemeral. And we're like, oh, I I thought that like focusing on this one thing was going to actually feel supportive to me, but I did it and it didn't really do anything. Um, So when you reference the four pillars of intuitive business, that's growth, revenue, retention, and impact. So thinking about those four parts of your business. So for you, what are your top three goals in your business? I know that you wrote down a bunch of amazing ones. So, but what would you say are your top three of this list? 
So at the moment, it would be increasing my passive income. That's been a goal for mm-hmm. a while. And it's something I've been trying to focus on, but that takes time and energy yeah. as well to build up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because at the moment, especially doing one-on-one with people, it's very mm-hmm. time intensive in order to make what I need to make to have a livable wage. Yeah. So then I being so time intensive, I have less time to work on the things that bring a lot of joy. Like not that my one-on-ones don't bring me joy, but I want to write and review and read more books to bring more quality content to people. I want to create future products or maybe create a tarot deck or create more courses and like all these creative things that take time to even sit down and plan. And when you're just going, you know, session to session with people, you don't have that, that leeway especially mm-hmm. with all the other things and admin stuff. So increasing and passive like income allows having me to- a family yeah. and be, and like taking time off and like <laughs> nourishing yourself and like having a life, you know, exactly. like all of that, that's really important. And I think yeah. a lot of people would be very surprised to hear that. So I'm a stay-at-home mom and my son, who's only one and a half, only goes to daycare 12 hours a week. Yeah. And you're a super person. <laughs> so that's 12 hours a week to do everything that I do and I do quite a lot and so I work pretty much every single night and I'll try and work at least an hour during the day when he's napping when when I have him at home then you've got kids that are sick or life that happens I get sick my husband goes away he's in the military so often he's away for long stretches of time so trying to cram all that in hence the if I have passive income there's less pressure on me to do the everyday one-on-one with people so consistently that makes sense. Totally. And w- absolutely. And often what comes with sort of like, let's put passive in just like quotes because um, it still takes a little bit of work, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a misnomer. And when you first learn about passive income on the internet, you're like, what? I can make money while I'm sleeping. <laughs> um, but there, there's still like upkeep. Quite, yeah. It just means that there's less <laughs> upkeep, right? And a lot of that just comes from like having systems in place. And once, yes. and the best systems are actually intuitive, fluid, and modeled after nature. So there's zero redundancies and zero waste. And um, they're made for people who are creative geniuses mm-hmm. like you um, to support more spaciousness in your brain and in your life, um, as opposed to being more rigid. I feel like systems have an association with like, I don't know, admin, mm-hmm. uh, an annoying office manager. And that is, it couldn't be further from that. So, okay. Awesome goal. Increase passive business income streams. Love mm-hmm. that. We've got that for our first one. What would be maybe like your second, um, second most important goal? Well, I think because it leans into that would be the increasing my free time. And whilst it's not free time, it's like creative space, I guess mm-hmm. would be a way to describe it. So increasing my creative space so that I can work on those larger products, those bigger ideas. I have so many ideas and so many things I want to do, but so yeah. little time. <laughs> so increasing time. I'm like, should I continue? I mean, time, like time, we know that time is fluid and nonlinear, right? So mm-hmm. like time expands and contracts, like, hmm according to the amount of time that we allot a task. So like Mm -hmm. you can get 12 hours of work done and like get it all done because you've only given yourself 12 hours to do it, right? That's Mm -hmm. all that you have. If you gave yourself 16 hours, it'd probably take you 16 hours to do the work. Um, That's just like one of the park, it's called Parkinson's law. But we also know that like time isn't linear at all. Um, It's totally fluid and that's why we can collapse timelines. So let's say we have, this is my timeline. I'm holding out this little string Um, and this is my goal in the future. And this is my goal now. And we usually think, oh, I need to crawl on this linear timeline in this certain amount of time in order to accomplish something and get it done. But what if time 
and our timeline actually just wanted to not be linear and be more like a slap bracelet and sort of meet itself, collapse upon itself. And maybe what if we were the ones that were holding the timeline taut and away from itself? Maybe we are the things in the way of the timeline collapsing and you know, either creating more space or creating less space for us to get things done. Um, so we can talk about that, but mm. just something to think about. Yeah. And then I guess the typical business goal, which is increase overall revenue by 60% next financial year is my yeah, dude. goal. That's, that's a huge goal. 60% is a lot, but I it's, love, you know what? It sounds it. a lot, but I'm just going to do a little shameless self thingy mm-hmm. here, but I just did, as I said, we've just hit the, we're filming this in uh, early July, 2022. Mm-hmm. And so we've, I've just done my last, my June's like numbers and put together my financial year. And in the past financial year, compared to the previous financial year, I had an 85% increase. Amazing. Which is Congratulations. incredible. I was like, whoa, I'm amazing. This is so fantastic. <laughs> so, like, and that was after having a baby. Like I had a baby in yeah. early 20, 2021. So I didn't really take any time off because I love what I do and yeah. I want to work. But to have that increase, even when I have less time than ever before has been wonderful to see oh yeah yes I'm doing it so I think 60% is really achievable but I think also as you get to bigger numbers it becomes harder to achieve those percentages as well right right and like I love that that goal and I've in case anyone out there is listening is like oh my god I have to increase my income by 60% year over year um to give you an idea of like a business that would get acquired by another business like instantly it would if they had a 20% increase year over year in their revenue or their EBITDA, um, that would be like a no brainer. You could get acquired for millions of dollars. So just as a heads up, like this is an amazing goal and I love it, but, uh, and it sounds like totally doable for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, 20% 20% would still be awesome. So especially because yeah. we're moving into a global recession, not to freak people out, but it's nice to just know that like, these are the sort of etheric things that are happening, right? Just like mm-hmm. we're paying attention to astrology and I'm sure there's some astrology that talks about the recession, but um, it's nice to know like kind of what's up in the ethers. Mm-hmm. As above, so below. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then, so we've got our three goals and they actually they work together so well. They actually, they make so much more sense. They make so much sense. Like if we increase your passive income, that's going to increase your business's income. And that's also going to give you more free time. Mm -hmm. So they, they weave together really beautifully. Yeah. And then I want to look, I've got all of your offerings here and you you have have a lot lot that you offer. (laughs) When I was writing it out, I was like, Oh, maybe I should cut it down. But then I was like, but I love doing all these things. (laughs) Right. So what would you say? I, I like you know, what's the word? Different things, variety. I have a lot yeah. of skills that I can bring to the tables. <laughs> yeah. Are you a manifesting generator in um, human design? I'm a manifester. Okay, cool. Oh, interesting. No wonder we get along. Projectors <laughs> and manifestors always love My husband's other. a projector. <laughs> yeah, we, we vibe. We get each other. Yeah. I'm not afraid of your repellent energy and you're not afraid of my, like, you know, sort of boring energy in you. Um, Works well together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So, from, I mean, these products, what would you say is your top, and I'll, I'll read them off. You've got your digital course, your guidance calls, astrology natal chart reports, um, 
astrological focus, focus forecast, chakra checkups, ritual worksheets, which are a digital download, your witchy desktop planner, your psychic divination box, and then your Patreon, um, which is awesome. You've got a combination of digital products, physical products, and like entertainment um, with Patreon, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. We, we love to see um, a queen who's, you know, well-situated in, in many different areas. Um, but what would you say is like your top revenue performer right now? The astrology reports. Mm, oh, interesting. It, it, I kind of the course probably brings in more bigger, um, but mm-hmm. it's new. It's still new. I've had one uh, one launch of the course, which was in April, and I've Congrats. I've planned the next launch. Thank you in August, so next month. So I'm just doing all of the like lead up stuff to that at the moment. So cool. I envision that will be a bigger revenue earner. But yeah, at the moment, the astrology reports are the ones that consistently sell out every okay. week. Amazing. Okay. That's super interesting. And those I'm assuming you have to like, they're personal. For they each are. So they take, so they take a, a ton of time and energy yeah. for you. It's, it, okay. I've timed it. It's around about an hour and a half for each one. Oh yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, but your digital course is, and I would say like your your anything that's a download like mm-hmm. all of that is the downloads be... already done so that's Perfect. it just their their moon full and new moon ritual worksheets i have moon posts that go out on instagram that mention them and so they just consistently sell a few every month which is great cool. okay, and cool. with the digital course i do offer two versions so there's a you just buy it at the the lower price and you go at your own pace and you've got it for a year and you do it however long it takes you. And yeah. then there's a live course. So it is, it's not cool. just a set and forget. It is, I'm still doing a live psychic development circle with those students every week. And depending on oh. how many students, depends on how many of those circles that I do as well. So this still- Do they ever on. end or is that ad infinitum? Once they're in the course, they do them forever and ever. No, so there's seven modules. So it's one per week for each module. Okay. Uh, so there'll be seven for each launch of the course, if that makes sense. Okay. That totally makes sense. But they're also Um, my favorite part of it. I hear you. And do you know what your conversion rate is? Uh, 0.9%. That's great. Okay. Awesome. I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. When it comes to business stuff. So this is my third year in business Mm -hmm. and it feels a little bit like the fact that I've just started seeing a personal trainer and I'm just like, yep, my goal is I want to be able to do push-ups, right? That's right. my goal. I want, because I've got some shoulder issues. Let me do push-ups. It'll be strong. I'll be good. That's right. my core. And so I've been going and just like, yep, just going through it, doing whatever. And then the other week I was talking to my husband. He's like, oh, so what'd you do today? I was like, I did a set of this and then of this. And he's like, well, what weights are you doing? And I was like, um, oh, I think on the, the <laughs> lat pull-downy thing, um, I think it was like 22 and a half. And he was like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, I just had no, nothing to compare it to. It's just me and my personal trainer. There's no one else in there. So I I had no idea. Like, is that good? Is that bad? That's what being an entrepreneur is. You're constantly like, am I crushing it or am I totally failing? Like, I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Exactly. And I found the same with with the whole part of having a business uh, and owning a business and then even having a podcast. I'm like, is this good? How many downloads (laughs) is good? No one talks about it. So I'm trying to like actually put tweets out and talk about it so that other people can be like, oh, that's, I can see how other people are doing. So I know where I am. Yeah. Well, when you look at the top 1% of podcasts, I think it's like 
anyone who has more than 3000 downloads per episode. It's, yeah. it's like the bars on the floor. Yes. <laughs> so, so great. You know, like, I, awesome. I read the, the typical <laughs> podcast has like 25 downloads per episode. I was like, I yeah. am killing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this conversion rate to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. So like, let's round it up to 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, a typical conversion rate of like, an e-commerce platform is anywhere from 0.5% to 2%. Okay. So like, cool. that's good where your awesome. ad is good and there's room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And your conversion rate can be anywhere from yeah. 0.5% to 20%, mm-hmm. depending on like, if you're talking to the right people, if um, you're attracting them in all that good stuff. And that number actually just tells us, okay, if we know that you convert around 1% of people who land on your webpage, on your sales page, then we know okay, if you talk to a hundred people, you're going to make one sale, right? So we can kind of reverse engineer how many people you need to land on your sales page. Mm -hmm. Or what I like to think about is how many people do I need on my email list in order to sell this product to hit the goal that I want to hit? Mm -hmm. Because it really is just math, right? If we think about it. Um, And that makes it so much easier because now you can spend the next month growing your email list and saying, okay, I know that I need to have X number of people that land, that see this sales page, right. That are in this, that are sort of identified as warm leads or people that are perfect for this product. So how can I get them on my email list now by like offering them something that's similar to the course that I'm about to offer. That's like a content upgrade or a lead magnet, something that they're going to want to download and get a little bit more of. Do you already have a lead magnet? I do. I've just put together a free webinar. Hell yeah. And it's going live three days after the course opens up for people to book. Perfect. And it's basically like the pre to the course. So the course is the art of psychic divination. So it's teaching people everything from the foundations of psychic work to all the different psychic senses, how to, what they are, how they come through, how to develop them, Mm -hmm. Uh, the symbols, a whole module on symbolism and then actual divination. So I, I've turned them simple divination. So pendulums and flipping a coin and that sort of a thing to classic divination or systemized divination. So that's tarot astrology palmistry and then free flowing you have so much fun stuff to work with I know and then free flowing is like all um scrying and you know pyromancy and all of that tea leaf reading it's good fun so the pre to that is my webinar which is going to be yes you are psychic here are the six steps to discovering your psychic abilities and it's just giving them like this is how you get to that point of knowing yes I actually do have this I can I can go on and do this yeah that's my thing that I'm putting together I'm really excited about it it's the first time I've ever done a webinar I've never done this before oh webinars are um they're in a meet or like I call them master classes or Mm -hmm. like you know free classes they're such a great way for people to get your learn your teaching style and as long as you're offering value you know you're offering the what you know your course or your product the paid thing is the how right Mm -hmm. so like as long as you explain the what to people um you're going to be good Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes webinars can feel like annoying to sit through when people are sort of pontificating about like how amazing they are and like how incredible their product is. And it's like, people want to learn. Um, so I think as long as you're doing that, you're, you're good, you're solid. Yeah. But are you sending people? So how are you getting people to sign up for that? Are you like putting out ads? So I, I don't really do ads or anything. Um, I just utilize the, I guess, the reach that I have with my social medias. So yeah. I've got quite a few on, on TikTok and Instagram. Instagram has the higher 
engagement rate for sure. That's mm-hmm. my favorite because I do get to engage with my my followers yeah. and my friends and my clients and all of that. Uh, so most of that is I'm preparing content in advance to lead people towards that. Yeah. So currently I'm leading people towards just registering on the email list specific for the course where they yeah. get all of the details and everything on that uh, and know when you know doors are open today, that sort of a thing. So they're specific. I want information about this course, you know, exactly not just to my full email list they'll still get emails but if they're like I've already done it or I don't like I'm not interested I can't right now I don't want to bombard them if that makes sense totally yeah you don't want to burn out your list and you can always segment right so you can like that's what I've done Mm. people who have already taken it and obviously don't email or not obviously don't email them but everyone else on your list you also you want to basically like give people I would say even before your webinar Mm -hmm. this is what I would do you want to give them the opportunity to basically raise their hand and say, I'm interested in this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, signing up for like an email list or even a wait list isn't the most enticing thing to people mm-hmm. because they don't always want to pay for a product. Like they're not thinking. So um, when I teach copywriting or building a product, we talk a lot about the stages of awareness and what you're doing when you're taking someone from not knowing anything about what you do to deciding, yes, I want to spend almost $600 to learn with you over the internet. You're taking them through the stages of awareness. The first stage is problem unaware. They don't even know they have Mm -hmm. a problem. The next stage is problem aware. Then it's solution aware. And then it's finally product aware where they're like, oh, your product is the solution that I need. So what we're doing on any marketing journey or hero's journey Mm -hmm. is we're taking people through those stages of awareness. And often when they start here, they could be a perfect candidate for your, for your product, but they don't even realize they have a problem. So they're like, I don't need a product. I don't have a problem. Um, so we kind of want to like talk to the least sophisticated person in the room. And that is the person. It's not like they don't know how to drink tea with their finger up. It's more like they're just the less, the least aware when it comes to like the options, the the potential future they could have, I guess is what we call it. So we want to talk to that person. And often the way that we can do that is through offering a lead magnet, like six ways to tell if you're psychic or if you have psychic capabilities or um, how to use a pendulum to figure out what you should eat for breakfast. You know, obviously not that those are stupid examples, but um, you know, we can make a PDF, we can make a video, we can make an audio download, something that gets them to say, oh, I really want that. That seems kind of cool. And that also educates them through the stages of awareness, taking them from, I didn't even realize I had a problem to, huh, wait, I, I'm pretty psychic, but I don't really know how to use this thing yet. And I want to. So then they're problem aware. The next stage would be solution aware. Well, how do I learn how to be psychic? There are all these things I could do. I could read a book. I could go take a class. I could just practice on my own. Um, I don't know. I could watch Hocus Pocus. I, you know, I could go start using tarot cards and just experiment with myself. Right. Or I could take your course and then product aware is when they realize, oh, Hannah's course is right for me. So, and I know that because Hannah has educated me on what she can offer and like what my life is going to look like at the end of this thing. And that's what I want. So anyways, I feel like I'm like just going off on a tangent, but does that make, does that feel helpful? Yeah. Like one of your episodes, I feel like that was discussed that journey, I guess, across from problem to solution. And 
I'm actually, I feel like I should show you what I'm trying to work on. Cause as I said, <laughs> this is the first time I've, cause the first time with the course launch, it was very much guided by the, the Institute that I work alongside, which is the Afterlight Institute. So like here, this is the launch dates. This is um, the you know email like that we're going to send out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I remember feeling a little bit like, oh, it's not quite me. It's not my voice. Yeah. And it's not quite what I was hoping to do, if that makes sense. I listened to that episode and it inspired me. I think I was driving home from Byron Bay, which is a two hour drive. <laughs> it was 1030 at night. My daughter's asleep in the back. And I was like, I have so many ideas. And I had to actually keep pausing the episode and doing a voice <laughs> recording on my phone. I was like, yes. Okay, Google, <laughs> open voice recorder. And then I was like, make sure to do all this when you get home <laughs> and recording and then continue the podcast. So I'm going to share this screen and this, I mean, everyone can see this if you're watching on YouTube as well at home. Um, but I don't mind. Like I'm, I'm a very open person. That's fine. I love that. <laughs> You're very generous to yeah, be can, to also volunteer yourself. Yes. Can you see this? Yes. I can. Yes. So this is kind of what I got from it, like eight weeks of like heavy marketing, I guess, or prior to Got heavy it. marketing um, mm-hmm. and then the launch date. So I've kind of tried to work backwards. I've also then done the uh, astrological dates as well that yeah. I want to launch certain things or when it's going to be best for me based on my personal natal chart Yeah, and the stars in the sky. So then I have the different ways that I would market to people. So whether it's stories on Instagram, posts on Instagram, uh, which also they all cross post to Facebook and then reels, which are also TikTok as well. So that's kind yeah. of all of those. And then I sometimes take those posts and maybe put them on Twitter. My Twitter audience is not as big. So it's sort of less in my marketing plan. Yeah. Um, and I've broken it down into weeks and I'm trying to look at what people's problems are and what their solutions will be. So I've put those sorts of there and then trying Perfect. to make my content around that. Yeah. But I have, I've only got to week three, which is this week. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. You're taking it through and kind of like, I always think about when I'm making content, like sometimes I start backwards from what are people's sort of like objections going to be? Like, why do they think that they can't do it or that it's not right for them? Mm-hmm. And basically I'm just taking, when I'm, when I'm thinking about making content or selling a product. And by the way, like all this goes into once you launch your course a couple of times, you can make it evergreen. Mm -hmm. And so the same principles are going to apply. We want to get a certain number of of traffic. So number of people landing on your sales page. And um, that can come through the content that you have that's evergreen, like on YouTube or um, TikTok in a way, or the podcast. Instagram only has a 48 hour shelf life for content, unfortunately, which mm-hmm. is sort of a sort of brutal. Very sad. Um, it's very sad. <laughs> exactly. But um, we can like make that p- more passive income and option for you. Right. Especially mm-hmm. if you build out your email list more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm kind of like saying, yeah, keep making lead magnets or think about what those could be a little bit sooner, because we also want to warm up and take people through those stages of awareness. Mm-hmm. And we can do that via email, right. Where they're not always going to see our Instagram post or our TikTok video in the timeline that we want them to see it in, but we have a direct line of communication via email to people. So Um, or even through the podcast, I would say those two places are the best ways, uh, best Mm -hmm. places to connect with your audience um, on your own time. But um, I think about sometimes the objections that might come up, like, why does someone think that this might not be right for them? What maybe the first question is, well, why would I even need this? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, what, why do they need this? Like, what is their problem? And what is the like real problem there for them? Maybe it's like, you know, I, 
I feel disconnected from like my purpose and from what I'm supposed to do in the world. And I feel like I can't trust myself. That's a real problem to have, especially mm. like now at the, in this day and age and being connected to your intuition and connected to spirit or source or whatever you call it. Like that can be a balm that eases that ache. Um, that can be like a guiding light when you're feeling lost. I know it, it has been for me, right? So maybe like, that's the problem you really want to speak to. Or mm. I, I see that there are a ton of problems that you wrote down here, like where you wish, wish that you were special or you feel lost on your path or you feel disconnected from yourself. Like, yeah, you don't know what the right answer is. Maybe like anxiety takes over your mind more often than your intuition. And that makes you feel lost. Um, or that makes you just feel like I can't do anything right. Like you don't have a sense of ease or peace within yourself and you, mm. and you want to find that, right? Or you want to trust yourself or learn how to trust yourself. And I think tapping into your intuition and your own psychic abilities is the best way to do that, especially if you do it for other people, because mm -hmm. it like proves to you that, that you have access to information that you should be trusting. Like you're pulling down information for some total stranger. That's correct. Like, okay, listen to that, <laughs> you know, like stop doubting your abilities. Anyways, sometimes that helps me come up with the content. And then I sort of like puzzle piece it together. Like, hmm, what would probably be the first objection that someone would run into? And then once I sort of answer that, it's like moving on to the next level in a video game. Like, okay, great. What's the next leveled up question or, or objection that someone might have? And so often when we're talking to people, um, the, the objection that they have is like, well, this won't work for me. Cause like I've tried so many things in the past and nothing has worked for me before because I still have this problem. Maybe it's like, I don't trust myself and I've done, you know, shadow work and I've done therapy and I've, I don't know, I've gone to landmark or I've gone to some Tony Robbins retreat and I still don't trust myself. Um, or I, you know, grew up going to church and I don't, I don't, I don't have that self-trust or that self-confidence. Like maybe I'm just so broken that I can't be fixed. I think often that is the existential sort of worry um, that people run into. So I try to address that too. Like you're not so broken <laughs> that, that like, there's not a solution for you. It's just that you haven't found the right one yet. And here's why. And that's really not your fault. You know, um, most of the time it's not, it's not really our user's fault that they haven't found the right solution yet. Um, it's often that they haven't even really identified what the problem was. Um, and hopefully, you know, as you're taking them through this process, you're helping them get even more clear on, oh, this is my problem, or actually that's not my problem at all. And so I'm not the right candidate for this product, which means that when people actually do end up signing up, they are totally the right people. And then you don't have people trying to return or say, this isn't for me. You're calling in the perfect clients because you're really speaking to them. So um, yeah, your content can do that. Mm, that's wonderful. And all of this, like, as I said, this was prompted by your podcast. <laughs> <I'm so glad. laughs> it feels so counterintuitive to me as a person, which is, whilst I am a business owner, right? Predominantly, I just want to help people. And I think, like, I love my course. I think I've done a really great job. I rewatched it with my the first launch just to make sure that, you know, it came through properly on the website and there were no glitches or I didn't mess anything up and it's yeah. a perfectionist coming through um, of my Virgo son. <laughs> and, you know, I was prepared for any questions that might've been because I filmed them a few months earlier. So going through it and I was like, damn, this is actually really good. I wish I had this when I started. So I, yes. I have like all this belief and this amazing like product and then it's like, but how do you get from there 
to selling to people because that feels so masculine, if that makes sense. And yeah, dominant and like buy from me. And it's just like, I just hate oh, being salesy. I, I totally, yes. And being salesy <laughs> is like everyone's fear, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I look at it as like, I have this amazing information that like I know works and that I know is incredible. And it would be miserly of me to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does no one a service if I like, if I don't allow them the solution, like if I hide the solution from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like at the end of the day, we we're not responsible for how people decide to spend their money. You know, all that we can do is be in integrity with ourselves and speak truly and honestly to the problems and pain points that people are going through, give them as much information about why this might be right for them so that they can make the best decision for themselves. Mm. And, you know, sometimes they'll say the best decision is this isn't for me. Awesome. Great. (laughs) And other times they'll say the best decision is this is exactly what I need. Um, And I have all the information I need to, to confidently say that, but it's none of my business how other people decide to spend their money. Um, because like, yeah, that's not, that's not my role. And, um, I'm not going to judge them for how they decide to like spend their resource. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think (laughs) all of this that you've provided is super helpful, especially for creatives that aren't in that mindset and haven't considered the, the way that people go through to purchase something. Um, especially when you're so busy focusing on creating, it can be so difficult to switch out into hang on a minute. (laughs) Well, you know, exactly. (laughs) You're like, I know this is so valuable, but sometimes it's hard to articulate that. Right. And the more specific we can be too, we tend to speak in heuristics when we're like, when we know in our soul that something is really valuable and we're like, do you want to stand in your power? Do you want to like believe in yourself? And that's beautiful, but those are sort of broad sweeping terms. Whenever we're talking to our audience, we want to give them like a snapshot of what their life will look like, or sort of like what we're talking about exactly. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so maybe for you, it's something like, uh, do you want to have like complete and utter clarity on a yes? As soon as someone asks you a question about what to do next in your business, like that would be more specific or, Mm -hmm. you know, if we worked a little bit longer, I could probably come up with something way better than that, but I'm sure that you can come Mm -hmm. up with some good examples because people learn through stories. So the more imagery that we can sort of give people to feed into their story brain, the better they're going to understand what we do and what we can offer them. And then the better they're going to be able to future vision what their life will be like when they have that solution. That's really all we're doing is just giving people that future, holding that future vision for them. We're the guide in the hero's journey. Like we're Yoda, right? Who says like, use the force and here's what's, uh, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm going to guide you there um, and you can do it it's all about you. So, um, yeah. And I think like going back, let's, let's, I know I've taken you way over, but you have such a great business. And I think that if you keep in mind that conversion rate and Mm -hmm. think about just increasing it, maybe even to 2%, right. Which Mm -hmm. is totally doable for you as you finagle your marketing, your email strategy and your sales page. Um, and then thinking about like, okay, how can I get, let's say, let's say 5,000 people on my email list, because if I'm going to sell 1% and I want to sell 50, right. Mm -hmm. 
I don't do public math. Um, but if I want to sell like 55 spots or something, how many people do I need to get on my email list in order to make that math work? Okay. And how can I get them like warm as soon as possible? So I would say, keep going with the webinars because I'm sure like you're so, you're so lovely and you're such a good teacher that people will just like fall in love with you and be like, yes, I'm ready. Like, let's do it. People love to come to a free class. So you're building your email list and you're educating them on like the components of what's valuable in your course. Cause they're getting just like a little sorbet taste test, right? You can even simultaneously do it as an Instagram live mm. and say like, if you want the replay and you want the worksheet that comes with this, just put your email in the link in my bio and I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you're capturing those people's email who are watching the content at the same time as like you're giving it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's going to be your, think about it is those people that raise their hand. They're like, I'm interested in this thing. And that's who you want to talk to when you're, when the door's actually open because they, yeah. they do want your product, you know? Oh, wonderful. This has been grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is like, this is how you set up an evergreen, mm-hmm. any evergreen sort of like funnel isn't exactly the right word, but any product mm-hmm. that's evergreen, it's so simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Uh, We just want to drive the right amount of people, the right qualified people to that sales page or to that landing page. And so we can do that through traffic, organic traffic, ad traffic, or email traffic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I like email traffic because I like free things. So yeah. Yeah. Email traffic, (laughs) I think is, is good in terms of where to focus. You have a very unique email style. Um, like it's totally, it's not for everyone. (laughs) It's totally different to any other email list that I'm on. And I'm so funny because I'm, I am, as I said before, I'm a Virgo sun, but I'm also an Aquarius rising. So the Virgo sun in me is like, Oh, I could never be that like out there and different. And it has to be so like (laughs) traditional in terms of an email, but then my Aquarius rising is like, hell yeah, that's so fun and cool and bright and poppy. And I love it. Yeah, well, my, I've got a Mercury Aquarius, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. That, yes. That's what vibes. Now, my Mercury's in Virgo, so I'm just like, oh, my voice can't be like that. It's too, like, I don't know, too out there. But Well, you yes. got to find what make, what works for you. And I would say, like, just working consistently with, like, sending yeah. out an email every week that mm-hmm. you like, that's fun for you, is the best the best thing that you can possibly do. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So I think... I hope this episode has helped because I know I have a lot of people out there who run their own witchy businesses or intuitive led businesses. And even maybe it's not witchy or intuitive. Maybe it's just a standard business, right? And you own it yourself and you want to figure out how to grow it or, um, you know, get people to where you want to sell them, right? That oh, it sounds so marketing. I hate that part, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, well, you got to do your sacred work, work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that this is part all part of it. And before we talked about self-actualization, like we go through so much shadow work and like mm-hmm. confronting of ourselves in our businesses that we can easily run away from in our personal lives. But when it comes to business, we have no choice but to move forward or mm-hmm. it's like, or shut the business down. Right. So it's like work yeah. through your shit or, <laughs> or like this business is going to fail yeah. and being seen asking for like asking to be valued a lot of that is a lot of our shadows. So yeah. Being seen was one thing I had to work on. Absolutely. Because coming from such a very religious, strict evangelical upbringing and oh, most yeah. of majority of my family is still in that church and they didn't know about this business. They didn't know about anything that I did until, oh until about really? a month ago. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And it was, Whoa. it was horrifying. I, I can't even describe how 
that was a massive, like, I guess, shadow work moment for me because the whole time running it, I accidentally went viral on TikTok and (laughs) it brought me a ton of followers and a ton of visibility. And I was like, it's okay. It's TikTok. Like my family doesn't have TikTok, right? They're they're not going to see me on there. But everything makes it from TikTok to Instagram. And then it went, and then Instagram grew and I was like, okay, it's fine. Like there's, you know, and not even just my family, the people from church that I grew up with, the people from my religious school that I grew up with, right? I had people from school start messaging me on my suburban witchery account saying, hey, how do I love what you're doing? This is so great. And they're deconstructing as well. I was like, okay, amazing. Good. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd sort of gotten away with it, if that makes sense. I got away with it. I was like, yep, I'm being seen, but I knew I wasn't fully seen because people still didn't know what I did Yeah. until I found out literally a month ago, um, and this is wild, right? This little background. I pull cards for every month of the year, right? I do a little yeah. a start of the year spread to see what's happening. And the card for May was the uh, seven of swords. And I was kind of like, hmm, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This isn't great, but cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. going through the whole month and I'm like, nothing's happening. Like what I expected to happen hasn't happened. <laughs> what's was it five or so? It might be five. Anyway, it was not a fun card. And I'm like, okay, nothing's happening. There's no like split or divide. There's no challenge or crisis or whatever. Just maybe it was wrong. Maybe I looked into it wrong, whatever. Yeah. And then on the 30th of May, I had this massive realization. I've been, without going into too much detail, that my family had known about my business for a few months. They had been talking about it as the Hannah thing. In quotation marks, Um, they had been screenshotting and having meetings about me. They like to the point where it got to you are, um, you know, banned from a potentially upcoming funeral. Um, We don't want to talk to you. We've had to have all the houses cleansed and blessed by the church because you stepped foot in here. We don't want to see you or your family or your children. Like horrible, right? And I went straight into. I closed down my Instagram. I closed down everything I was like I can't be seen anymore um delete and they they told me like you need to delete all this content that makes any mention of the church of your family of this like full-blown panic attack I took a whole week off social media I was just like no I can't I can't do this and then when I did take down the content that they asked for and they kept going they're like no you need to take this one down and this one down and I was like where do I stop this is my business this is my life I'm helping Mm. people and it was this huge realization of I need to be okay with them not liking what I do. I need to be okay with not having them in my lives because they don't accept me. And there was a lot of, you know, we still love you. We just hate everything that you do and everything. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's very Christian. <laughs> Thank you. And yes. so I ended up, I came back out of that. It was, it was tough. And I was like, no, you know what? Now, now I can be seen now. I, because I, I have nothing to lose anymore. Right. Yeah. So put everything back. <laughs> Where I, or not some of them I didn't but you know came back to Instagram made my account public again and went back at it almost with renewed vigor and now I've I've noticed there is a shift in how I show up there is a shift in how I'm coming to this course it's like I'm ready to actually make it like better and yeah. make the business grow more and maybe one day I'll have, you know, books on the shelves and I'll be on TV. You know, that's where I could be because there's no, nothing I can lose anymore, nothing to be afraid of anymore. Exactly. You had your dark night of the soul, which is like where you decide whether to turn around and go back 
mm-hmm. or to forge ahead. And you said, I'm going to keep going. Like I've it's important and it matters. <laughs> and like in the here, we use the hero's journey so much mm. at holisticism because we talk about archetypes so much, but the job of the hero isn't to slay the dragon. It's to bring the information back to where they came from. Mm. It's to go all the way back from the special world to the ordinary world and to be the bridge. And it's hard to be a bridge. You know, it's hard to have one foot in one world and one foot in another world and like be the connector that shares the information because not everyone's ready to hear it. Um, but that's like, that's the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. That's, it's not to like achieve glory. It's to like be of service at the mm-hmm. end of the day. That's what the hero does. That's what a true hero does. So you're, you're doing that. Yeah. And it's been wonderful. And as I said, I'm very open. Like I, was open the whole time with my patrons, like, Hey, I'm going through this. And I know a lot of them have religious families as well. I was like, I can help you now with if, and when this comes up for you, I can help you. I have that now. So I see the, I guess the amazing transformation in myself because of it. And then also the way I can help more people because of it. And whilst it was really tough at the time, it's yeah. Like with anything in hindsight, you're like, wow, really that needed to happen. So, and um, you have no idea what the ripple effects are going to be like who yeah. in your family in the future is going to come out or share mm-hmm. who they, who they really are. And mm-hmm. you're like, you know, you're probably saving people's lives by yeah. being yourself. And that is really admirable, but also I can only imagine how dysregulating and oh, yeah. traumatizing it was. I, every time my phone rang, I was like a nervous, anxious wreck for a while. I was like, my nervous system is so dysregulated. So I had yeah. to do so much grounding work and just yeah disconnecting from social media for a while and a lot of writing lists of everything I love and I'm grateful for and all of those I had to use all my tools that I teach other people and use them on myself so yeah it's hard for us who are really powerful right and so personally sovereign to recognize that um we can't control what other people perceive of us no matter how hard how perfect we are how um, perfectly we show up like they're still going to decide to see us however they want to yep. and there's literally nothing we can do to change yep. their minds <laughs> and how someone else um views you is none of your business really it's, it's not. And that's really hard for me to remember, but something that's easier for me to remember is like, I can't change their mind no matter what, like Mm -hmm. I can be the most good. I went to Catholic school. So, uh, you know, I get it. Um, I can be the most good, uh, Mm -hmm. but I can also like be the most bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And they can still decide to see me however they want. I can dress provocatively, or I can dress like a nun and they'll still think, oh, you know, mm-hmm. she's such a slut or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, so I might as well just like do what feels most authentic to me or what feels yeah. most real to me and what makes me the most happy. Um, and that's living like a true witch, isn't it? Oh, hell yeah, I did. Absolutely. Yeah. I think <laughs> one moment I had a very great discussion with, um, with my dad and I remember him saying like, but what if so-and-so sees your stuff? this is a person from the church. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I lived my life by what so-and-so thinks of me, I would not be living. <laughs> like I would exactly. be in this little tiny box. And it was having to, being able to say that out loud and realizing how true it felt to me. I was like, yeah, why have I been putting myself in a box because of what other people might think? So yeah, all this stuff sometimes serves to, to help us grow into a next level, but it's still difficult. So, well, I, and your mom to two, two mm-hmm. little people who like this lesson is you're going through it to teach them too, right? Oh, yeah. Like to just reinforce that, like, just be who you are mm-hmm. and like 
you're always changing all the time. Like your identity isn't stagnant. It isn't one thing. You can't be perfect. So like, just be, go mm-hmm. live. That's the point of being here, right? It's like to experience this mm-hmm. world and all of all that it has to offer. All the ups and downs. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I think we've um, rattled off everyone's ear- eardrums for a good amount <laughs> know, of time. I'm so sorry. It took you so <laughs> over our calendar invite. But, but that's uh, totally fine. And that's kind of what it's here for. And I'm, I'm sure there are so many people getting all these nuggets of wisdom from this episode that we are not even aware of that they're taking away and running with. So I think it's going to be <laughs> wonderful. Yes. yes. Thank you very much for your time and your energy and your knowledge and doing uh, a little dive into my own business to show other people the ways that we can work with it and myself as well. It's very, very helpful. And I'm very grateful to you and your knowledge. Oh, it was my total pleasure. And we have a free library full of intuitive business education courses, classes that I've taught and that other amazing people have taught called the Liminal Library. So I'll send you a link so that anyone who wants to access it, I think there's like probably 300 hours of content in there, um, can, can go enjoy it. Absolutely. I'll pop that link in the description box below. And aside from that, where can people find you? Yeah, just at Holisticism on Instagram and TikTok. And um, yeah, on our podcast, The 12th House, I think that that's where I've dropped most of my wisdom for free. So if you liked this, then I'm sure you'll love The 12th House too. Wow. Wasn't that incredible? Michelle is such a wealth of intuitive business knowledge. Absolutely go and check out all of the stuff that she has to offer because I guarantee you it will be so worth it. I hope you have taken away some nuggets of wisdom around intuitive and witchy led business and some really practical ways that you can actually make a living doing the things that you love and the things that align with your values. If you loved today's episode or any of the episodes, I would love to hear your thoughts. You can leave me a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify has a rating option, but not yet a review option, but I'd appreciate that rating nonetheless. And you can always send me a DM over on Instagram. I'm at suburban underscore witchery and the podcast specific Instagram account is at witch talks podcast. So shoot me a DM. Let me know what you took away from the episode and what you found important empowering or enlightening or just illuminating. It would just make my day and tickle my fancy to hear what you think. If you would like to sign up for my course, The Art of Psychic Divination Level 1, I would love to have you as one of my students. Honestly, I mean, obviously I made it, but I'm so proud of this course and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Watching my students go from being so unsure of themselves psychically to absolutely nailing it out of the ballpark at the end of that course. And even just three weeks in, three modules in, I was holding an item in a psychic development circle. They couldn't see it. I'm on the other side of the world. And they accurately described images that were on what I was holding. It was amazing to witness their growth and progression in just the first three weeks, let alone the entire seven weeks. Like these guys have done so well and I can't wait to help more people have a similar transformation just like that. So go and hit the link in the description box and come and join me. I'd love to have you there. As always, I hope you're having a lovely day wherever you are in the world today and I will chat with you next time.